Welcome to Bwahaha Cast, episode 29. We've made it to 29. With me, as always, is David. I got nothing. Just just call me David. I, I You know, I have no nickname this week. The splintered windmill of the mind. Simonton. <laughs> well, I was I was that in 1993, um, but I guess I can I can be that again. You were the splintered windmill of the mind in 1993. Yes, I was. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you know, people change. <laughs> they do. They do. So uh, we're going to kick things off with what we have been doing that is comics related, whether that's reading or or other things that are uh, comic book affiliated so david what have you been reading or uh what have you been doing that is related to comics i've i've read a lot of uh other than new comics of course i've read a lot of uh trade paperbacks that i have uh the past few weeks uh because like i've said before i have about 200 trade paperbacks and omnibuses gathered throughout the past few years that you know, I'm never going to get to in my lifetime. Um, but so I'm trying to knock them out as quickly as possible. It's not making a dent. But uh, <laughs> what I read first was uh, Marvel Frontier Comics, which was like a Marvel UK type of thing. Uh, Marvel's version of Vertigo, and it didn't succeed at all. Um, although the four books in this collection were all pretty good. Um uh, I don't remember a lot about them because, I, <laughs> I, like I said, I'm just breezing through this stuff as quickly as I can. Um, <laughs> and so the the memory is not there. And it was um, called what again? Uh, Marvel Frontier Comics. Man, I really don't remember that. It was from the that. 90s. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but it wasn't bad. Uh, I also read the epic collection of Captain America, uh, Bucky Reborn. Um, which had some of the, not the very first appearance of the Falcon, but right after that. So he was still in his green costume. Um, that, that was some good stuff. Uh, Gene Colan drew some of them, um, you know, pretty interesting stuff. I don't think I'd read a lot of what was in there before. Also read, uh, the spirit, um, archives volume three. I've had that forever. Um, I finally just, like I said, I randomly roll a 20-sided die and a 10-sided <laughs> die. Whatever it tells me to read, I read. That's That just keeps it interesting for me. Um, and it, it's a good way to knock out stuff that I really honestly may not ever want to get to. Although Spirit is classic stuff, but you know. Um, I also read Black Panther Epic Collection 1, which had the first appearance of Black Panther and Fantastic Four for two issues and then went on to Jungle Action written by Don McGregor and drawn by various people. It was actually pretty good. Um, next, Fighting American by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Um, I think this came out in the fifth. Well, the issues themselves came out in the 50s. I think I bought this bought this at Barnes & Noble, like in Myrtle Beach years ago. <laughs> right. I think it was like on the bargain bin for like $4 or something. I was like, well, sure. Right. Um, so it, it was fun. I mean, just old classic stuff. And I read The Flash... 80th anniversary, which just had stuff from, you know, first appearance in the, I guess, 40s uh, up through, you know, more more recent stuff uh, from the, I guess, probably maybe the New 52 series. Just went all the way through that. So it was fun. Uh, what have you been reading? Anything? Sadly, no, I haven't been. I haven't been reading anything. Uh, I haven't read. Gosh, I need to catch up on a lot. of. I haven't even read anything new. Uh, I'm way behind. But I did have 
a singular experience, something I've been waiting for for my entire life, happened yesterday morning. You read um, Cowboy Wally. I, <clears throat> sorry, not not going to happen yet. Okay, right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until it's like uh, the the final <laughs> moment of your life. <laughs> <laughs> read it, read it to and, me on yeah. my deathbed. In a hope that it might like help you recover. So I'll be, you remember this damn book? <laughs> and I'll be like, no, what's Cowboy Wally? <laughs> but you so, got to read it in your gamma radiated cactus voice. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge. Uh, so I have a nine year old daughter and we were driving to school yesterday and out of the blue, totally out of the blue, she says, can you tell me all of the origin stories of a lot of the superheroes? What? And I thought, my job here is done. You you raised that girl right. <laughs> wow, so that is I, awesome. So she, I said, well, well, who do you want to start with? And she was like, well, you know, Spider Man. So we were we worked through, you know, Marvel. We stayed in Marvel. I'll, t- uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. But we stayed with Marvel, and I realized. <laughs> as i'm talking to her i'm like wow these all really start sounding the same when you boil them down to the to the very basics they all start sounding the same like uh well there's bruce banner and uh yeah there's you know here's the whole reason for this but basically he's bombarded with radiation here's the fantastic four well there's a lot of story around it but basically they're bombarded with radiation and then there's daredevil a lot of story around it but basically he's hitting the face with radiation (laughs) there's spider-man there's spider-man he's bitten by a radioactive spider (laughs) it starts you start realizing that um but but i did tell her the you know the the stories behind just briefly um and her statement in the middle of all of that was, there's a lot, this is a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. So this came from, I think, she and I started playing. Uh, we have a Nintendo Switch. And uh, years years ago, they ran a sale and they they sold the Lego Marvel superheroes two game really cheap so i bought it and put it on there and never really thought about it and she's suddenly gotten an interest in it and just playing that game because it has like every obscure i think we've talked about this before it has like every obscure character it's gotten her curious about them so hey whatever 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 brings you into comics right yes yes wow that's awesome that's awesome so it's been pretty interesting so she's like well so how so if that's how the hulk got that way how did she hulk i was like well you know it has to do with radiation (laughs) it's radiation again but it's radio this time it's radioactive blood so uh, but you know the great thing about the marvel characters is it didn't really matter how they got their powers it was the sometimes horrible things that happened in their life including like dc's batman too or, or Superman's Krypton exploding, um, that gives them a reason to want to help people. That's right. It's that's just a, and that's where I think they finally gotten a clue with the movies that we don't want the origin story over and over again. Right. That, that's really the least important. Now, for a kid, I remember reading. I can't remember. 
what the name of the books, but they were like compiled. I remember checking them out at the library. They were like compiled origin stories of Marvel superheroes or DC superheroes. And I remember just pouring over those as a, as a kid, I, you know, they're interesting to a kid. I think, I don't think adults are particularly interested in origin stories. And I mean, certainly not in them being retold and retold and retold, just get into it. Yeah. It, it wastes so much time in a movie. Um, especially that first Hulk movie, which was God awful. Um, <laughs> it, it wastes so much time. Just, just get to it. Uh, Clive Barker, I've probably said this before, but Clive Barker said the most brilliant thing years ago. I think it was Clive Barker. He said, um, you know, if cows are flying, you don't need to know why, because it's already odd enough they're flying. If you accept the fact they're flying, if we tell you why, it's just going to right. disappoint, you know, just just accept the fact that these characters have, you know, in the movies, at least, accept the fact that they have these powers and move on because you're just wasting time otherwise. That's where the, the newest version of Spider-Man has really gotten it right. They just jumped into it. Yeah. yeah, you have to learn the characters as you go. That's fine. Guardians of the Galaxy did something very similar. I mean, it was just like just right, jump in, right. just jump into it. Right. Um, <clears throat> we don't really need to know. I mean, or you can later on if you want to include little bits and pieces. That's fine. Um, for example, another great example of that is uh, the Matt Reeves. Batman movie, the Batman, um, that I've just now gotten around to seeing and holy cow. I mean, it's, it's as pure a comic book movie as I think I may have ever seen. It is, ex wow. it is, it is as close. I mean, Batman is actually a functioning detective, um, which when has that ever been in the movies? I know. Uh, um, he's, uh, deeply uh disturbing when he first shows up in the movie it's like wow this is this is something different and um i just i'm glad that to see it's like the as comic books matured uh throughout their ages so too have the movies based on them you know yeah. and so now we're we're seeing stuff that's a little more sophisticated and uh and I really, by the way, I really like the new design of the Batman costume. It's not that radically different, but it it reminds me more of like a he's got like a collar. It's hard to explain, but um, it, is it, it like a turtleneck? It is. It yeah, is. Right. You know, actually, okay. he looks a lot like the character that Rick Moranis played in Ghostbusters. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You know, the the turtleneck, the big glasses, the uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of where, where, uh, I have been, uh, as we close out the school year. Uh, but hopefully I'm going to be getting deep, deep, deep into reading some more comics in the coming, in the coming days and weeks. I have one more quick thing to go along with the, uh, what we were just talking about on the sort of flip side on the comic book side and not the movie side. Um, of course, nowadays it's the trend to, replace all of the classic characters with you know new characters and younger characters and all this stuff um having said that i i you know despise it and find it completely annoying um because these new characters don't have a backstory they're just okay i'm a hero now you know the, right. the great thing that right. made these iconic characters who they are we don't care what costume they're wearing or whatever it's it's the person behind the mask and the reason they're doing it. So when you replace them, it's like, uh, why do I care? It's no longer the same character. Why do I care? You know, but right. That's, right. that's just my, my rant for the week. 
All right. So, so what's next? So our, our topic for the week is it kind of came up out of uh, unfortunate circumstances. Um, and I suggested to you during the week, maybe we should do an episode on this because uh, the great George Perez, one of the most influential comic book artists uh, ever, certainly in the modern age of comics, passed away on May 6th. As we're recording this, it's May 14th, so it's been a little over a week since he passed away. Uh, it was something that that uh, was expected. He had announced that he had cancer, um, and there had been a lot of outpouring of love for him. But uh, just as we sort of looked at J.M. DeMatteis, uh, months and months ago as someone who, who started his career in the seventies and has just continued to produce prolifically. Um, so too, maybe not quite as prolifically in, in more recent days, but George Perez is one of those uh, bastions who came out of the seventies uh, and really blossomed in the eighties uh, and produced some of the, I mean, it's comic book art that doesn't look, in any way, shape, or form, dated, um, with the exception of Nightwing's collar. I, I got, I got to make an exception there. We'll talk about that eventually. But um, David, you and I chatted a little bit online about this, and and one of the things that I thought about was, you know, in the in the final run of things. And, and by the way, we've also lost Neil Adams. You know, within this same yeah. span of time, uh, you lost two of the really major contributors and no doubt that Neil Adams is extremely influential, but in terms of, you know, commercial appeal and refined comic book art, I just don't know that you get any better than George Perez. He was consistent from day one yeah. till the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to go so far as to say he's probably the best comic book artist of all time. Now I know that, Sounds blasphemous against Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby, to me, is the most influential comic book artist of all time. Right. Um, but as far as um, consistency, as far as just how good of an artist he was, I mean, Jack Kirby's art in the later days, well, not in the later days, but, you know, around the 70s and after, I mean, it was wonderful to look at and action-packed and it just, it was, it was awesome. You know, but, I mean, he drew... Hulk with three toes sometimes, four <laughs> toes the next. Jack Kirby didn't pay attention to what he was drawing from one page to the next. So you'd see costumes different, machines like spaceships looking completely different, weapons looking completely different. Again, I'll, Jack Kirby is the most influential artist of all time, in my opinion. But George Perez, I think, is actually the best artist of all time in terms of actually drawing ability and consistency and everything like that. And he loved to draw as many characters on a page as he could sometimes, you know, he just, other artists complain about that. He actually, I think, Liked was drawn it. to it. That's yeah. right. And you know, I, you made me think about something. If, if you put, if Perez had to draw four different versions of Superman side by side, each of them would look distinct and you could tell them apart. Yes. Yep. Um, it was just, it was just perfect. I, I don't, uh, it, you know, the, I, don't, I don't know any other way to say it. The only way I can really describe his art for me when I think about it is it, it sort of shines. I can't, it, yeah. it, do you, yeah. do you know what I mean when I say that? I know exactly it, what you mean. Bob Layton has the same ability. It, I, I agree. It, it has this, uh, sparkle to it. It, it yeah. seems like, um, 
I mean, you hear a lot about people talking about Kirby's art jumping off the page. Well, Perez's does that, but in a different way. Um, yeah. And yes, I mean, the the thing that really sticks in my mind is just the the sheer volume of detail that uh-huh. he that he would include and that he could do on a fairly regular basis. I mean, he was he, he wasn't someone who couldn't churn it out. I mean, he really could. Yeah, I, I was reading today about certain things. He he was late on some stuff. I think invented Infinity Gauntlet and stuff, but it, for the most part, he was he he could churn it out. And and these days, a lot of artists just cannot, which is why they're replaced so often, or you know, doing every other story arc and things like that. Um, Perez could just do it, and he was more detailed than most artists out there. And by the way, I really don't think about George Perez as being a Marvel artist. You're right. You're right. I agree. Other than the Avengers, I think that right. I just absolutely right. love his uh, both both takes of his Avengers in the in the late 90s and also in the 70s or 80s, whenever he drew it. But um, you're I agree. I, I always sort of go towards thinking about his DC stuff. And I mean, I think if you had to say one comic title that represents George Perez the best. You know, so if someone said, I've never seen his art, I've never, you know, I mean, to me, you would have to send them to see Crisis. Yeah, both Crisis and the new Teen Titans, I think, are the two things that stand out. It's like, this is this is what he's all about. Yeah, I had never seen, I mean, when you compare, because, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths was the, that and Secret Wars, those were the two big birth of the, <laughs> of the mini series of the mega event. Um, but when you compare the two, there's really no comparison. <laughs> I will, I will never forget. There is a parody comic that came out right after crisis and secret wars were over. Um, and it, I, I think it was called secret doors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I bought it at comics castle back then on a whim, but um, I just, I'll never forget at the end, the DC characters came back from crisis and the Marvel characters came back from secret wars and they met up and uh, DC, DC was like, man, we just had this, you know, universe changing thing. All of the different worlds combined, you know, millions of people died, you know, flash died, Supergirl died. Every people were dying left and right. The entire DC universe changed completely around what what happened with secret wars and spider-man said um uh well i got a new costume (laughs) right because as fun as secret wars was it was pretty pointless you know it was just to promote a toy line right um and and again it's fun i enjoy uh you know secret wars one not two (laughs) but uh but yeah crisis was i would say george perez's best I mean, it's just page after page after page of mind-blowing art. I mean, just like he was before there was an Alex. I mean, let me just back up and say, I don't believe there could be an Alex Ross without a George Perez. Like, probably not. I definitely see the inspiration there uh, in terms of, I mean, certainly there are plenty of artists who have expanded their style or, you know, people like, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, who have gone off into this, these really weird abstract takes, and and I and, and I love those. But as far as like straight up superhero comic book art, 
His was pretty well fully formed from the beginning, and he never really deviated. He, he just got a little more detailed as he went. Yeah, and as, as a lot of artists go uh, decades later, like John Byrne, their art tends, they, they tend to get settled in the way they draw. Right. And it gets worse, like like Burns. Um, George Brez was consistent. If, if anything, it improved throughout the years instead of just s- became stagnant. Um, I, so I, I guess in terms of DC, there is no DC character he did not draw. It would be pretty cool. He did Superman. Well, once you do he, crisis, he even wrote Superman. you know, once you, once yeah. you look at oh, crisis, true, true, true. He drew everybody. I mean, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Everybody. But yeah, I forgot that he wrote Superman and there was some, I I don't even remember what the controversy was and the reason that he quit. He quit very arbitrarily. Yeah, I can't. I think I read about it, but I forgot. Um, But then there was Wonder Woman after Crisis. He He wrote like two years of that. Yes. Now, I want to get your opinion on his writing because I have mixed opinions. I, I think that Wonder Woman run was fantastic. First of all, but mm-hmm. I remember thinking at the time it was wordy and yes. his, his dialogue is also a little flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sometimes, you know, it would sort of take forever to read an issue of Wonder Woman. But when I look back on it, I'd have to say that's probably the best Wonder Woman run, in my opinion. It's very good. It's, it's a little ponderous though. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. like you just kind of. It kind of slogs through. I don't think, I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect the man who's, you know, he's barely in the ground, but I mean, he was not a writer. He was not a comic book writer. Um, His reputation was as an artist. Uh, He did not have really, I mean, the the best work that he created was either with uh, Kurt Busiek or with, or Busiek. I can never remember how to say his name. I want to say Busiek. Okay. And with Marv Wolfman, um, he, he needed a good, strong writer with him, to be honest. But I mean, I think DC, uh, after crisis kind of gave him carte blanche to do what he wanted to do. I understand that. And he, I think he chose Wonder Woman as his character that he was going to, uh, reinvent. Um, I kind of wish he had worked with a, a writer, uh, yeah. I mean, it's fine that he brought, I, th- I think the ideas he brought to the table were really good ones. Um, and they, you know, they cleaned up that character's history and, you know, lots of stuff like that. But, but as far as writing, and that's the big thing is, is I think his plotting was fine, but his dialogue was not. Yeah. And he's, he's wordy on everything he's, I've ever seen him write. Even the Superman, I think it was the new 52 that he wrote. Um, <laughs> There was there is a comic I've got to bring up, and again, this is not to slam him in any way. Oh, it was right, just a right. weird, weird concept of a comic that came out maybe in the nineties, I think it was, called Crimson Plague. Only I lasted two issues. I've never think. heard of that. Never. Don't 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 uh, don't <laughs> read it. Another very 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 wordy comic, um, <laughs> but it was about a female character who she had a plague in her bloodstream and anyone who came in contact with the blood would instantly die. Now that's, Hmm. that sounds like a neat concept. However, the image I will never get out of my mind is she would sometimes, (laughs) this is so weird to even say she would sometimes (laughs) use her 
menstruation blood to kill people. Oh, dear Lord. And you're like, what is George Perez thinking? Because this was his creation. He wrote it and drew it. <laughs> I, was it? I mean, I don't even know not, what to say about it. This was the 90s, correct? Yeah. So edgy, trying to be, and everything had to have blood in it in some way. True. That is true. So maybe but, that was part of it. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, it's a good idea when you think of, you know, her blood, but then he's like, well, how could, how could it actually kill people? Oh, oh yeah. She menstruates on them. Oh, yeah. So it's like, well, that that's sounds why like, it lasted two issues. That sounds like an Eric Larson idea. <laughs> and the, Eric Larson could get away with it somehow. <laughs> you know, he gets away with his, his porn in his comics in the Savage Dragon. But, uh, so anyway, that was, I think, George Perez's biggest misstep. And I know we've talked about a, some character designs he had and the Kurt Busiek Avengers that mm. were, yeah. But triathlon. for the most triathlon and what was that? It was Silver Swan or I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that was a DC character. But yeah, I mean, you know, there were some missteps, but for the most part, he was just consistently wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to tell a, I think I've told you this story before. I don't know if I've said it on a podcast before. This is an extremely brief story. It's just one little snippet it has really nothing to do with George Perez, other than he was sitting two tables behind me at a what? diner at why Dragon are, Con. Why are all these people always sitting like a table or two tables behind you? That was it's, the same thing. It's with just my presence. Yeah. Mm. Just same thing with, uh, Demetrius. They just I know, love to, they love to swarm around me. Yeah. But apparently yeah. they don't want to talk to you. Well, Demetrius did though. That was the thing. He he made a point to talk to me, um, which I which I've had, which has just made my day. But uh, yeah, George Perez, he you know he had a bunch of people surrounding him and sitting with him and all this. Um, and I was sitting you know a couple of tables up in this uh, called the Metro Diner, I think it is um, near connected to the Dragon Con Hotel. So it, the place was packed. So uh, we're sitting there eating, and this you know, guy in his twenties or whatever was standing there talking to some people or maybe trying to listen to what George Perez was saying. I don't know, but his butt was in my face <laughs> while I'm sitting there in my booth. <laughs> and, you know, I, if there's one thing that annoys me more than anything is people's um, inconsiderate behavior when yeah. you're in public, you know, it's like I cuss like a sailor, for example. But if someone's standing in line in Kroger and they're just cussing up a storm around other people, I, I hate that, you know. So right, it's like, right. So this guy's butt was in my face. I mean, two inches from my face while I'm trying to eat my breakfast. Right. So. I, you know, it's like I don't I don't feel the need to say, hey, could you get your butt out of my face? Because he's an adult. He should know better. So I had this giant giant cup of water filled to the brim ice water and uh, i scooted it to the edge of my table right where his butt was because i was sitting at the edge anyway it was a you know um and he didn't move so you know it was backless <laughs> to me obviously so i just swatted the cup and the water went all over the back of his pants <laughs> and he turned around and was about to start fussing at me and i said dude you just knocked my water because your butt was in my face and you spilled my water. What the hell, man? And he was like, I didn't do it. I said, yes, you did. I said, well, how do you think it fell? And he just, he got so confused with his, 
pants soaking wet in the back that he just stormed off and went back and sat down. And I've never been so prouder of myself in my life. <laughs> but George Perez was sitting two tables behind me, and that's how he's connected to the story. <laughs> so there. <laughs> I got nothing. It was it was just a beautiful moment. I, you know, me being sort of an ass, but he deserved it. But then you so had I, one in your face, so of course you're going to be that that's way. That's true. Exactly. So I was proud of myself, and I got a high five off of it by uh, Brad, who was sitting with us. You know, it was it was wonderful. I, I was I was so happy, of, uh, proud of what I did. And it drenched his pants. So, <laughs> Well, <clears throat> one of the things I did want to do, th- and, and thank you, George Perez, for inspiring that story. <laughs> we got to gotta say that. Yeah, um, one of the things I did want to share is um, – there's a lot of comics creators right now who are on, who have columns or they're, they're sort of journaling on uh, a forum called Substack and Jason Aaron has one. Um, and he wrote a, a little bit about George Perez a few days ago. And I just, I, I wanted to read just this. It's not, it's not long. It's just, just I'm going to hit kind of high points, but um he said, I was 10 years old when I first started reading and seeking out comics on a regular basis, uh, tagging along for every trip my mom would make to the grocery store or drugstore, any place with a stocked spinner rack, and asking her to drive me to the local used bookstore every chance I got, which was the closest thing we had to a comic shop in my hometown. I've written before about some of the titles that drew me in, like the issue of World's Finest that was the first comic book I ever read, and the forgotten gem of a mid-80s sci-fi series, you'll remember this one, David, Atari Force. (laughs) Yeah. But the comic that would prove to be my true road to Damascus moment was The New Teen Titans by writer Marv Wolfman and artist George Perez. Um. And he said, I mean, this, and then there's two more quick lines. George Perez was the first artist whose work I could recognize on site. And yeah, then the, exactly. And then the other thing he wrote, which I really like is, but when I close my eyes and I imagine a comic book page, it's always drawn by George Perez. Wow. And that's true. I mean, I, I, I he seems to have seemed, I don't know his age, but he seems to be from around our generation because that we were from that generation that didn't have comic book stores uh, or very, or, or, you know, they came in much later in our teenage years. Um, but uh, yeah, Perez was one of those people that it just immediately struck you. And when you think about a comic book artist, that's one of the very first you will think about. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, we had uh, convenience stores and drug stores yep. where comics were on the spinning racks. And, and 7-Eleven had the best um, because they had two racks. They also had anything to do with George Perez. Well, but they also had the Marvel. Uh, 7-Eleven had the Marvel Slurpee Cups. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Those were the best. When he mentioned Atari Force, my first thought was, did George Perez draw that? Because it, it, I remember it looking like Perez, but I think it was Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Who drew I those. was thinking that too, yeah. And I think he was inspired by Perez because there's a there is a real similarity in their in their style. Yeah, and you know Dan Jurgens was inspired by Perez, but he he obviously didn't get it right. I just had to say <laughs> that. There was also a George Perez comic in a in an Atari game called Sword Quest, uh, which was a terrible terrible game itself. Yes. Um, 
but the comic book that came with it, it was like a mini size yep. comic book. Yep. Uh, it still had a good amount of pages in it. Uh, George Perez drew it, and of course the art was great, but it was supposed to like give clues as to what to do in the Sword Quest games, which there were supposed to be four of them. I don't think all four came out because it they was didn't. such a failure. Three, yeah. came, three came out. Yeah, I got the first two and was just completely lost. And I kept just, you know, <laughs> pouring over this comic book. I was like, I'd see, you know, little words hidden in the panels, like in the bushes or something, you know, there was, and I was like, okay, that's, that's obviously a clue, but I couldn't figure out what any of it meant. And it wasn't, this has nothing to do with George Prez's fault. He was just drawing <laughs> what he was told. But uh, regardless, you know, it was cool that he drew that. It's like, how did that even happen? You know, but it was cool. I liked it. Well, uh, you know, I think I gave up. We gave up after the first uh, Sword Quest game because, I mean, it's like, I have no idea, you know, this block is supposed to move across the screen. To the, I mean, it was like it, there there was <laughs> there was no way to figure out what exactly this was that we were looking at. So it's no. so hard. It, it's so hard to explain that to modern generations who are so used to, in some cases, almost photorealistic graphics. Yeah. Well, there was there. I just remember the the instructions didn't really tell you what to do. So you're what you had to do, I think, is leave certain items in certain rooms, but you had to go find the items first. But it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it. And you had to get all the items in the exact right rooms to exceed. But you don't know if you're right or wrong, you know. Well, and you had to you had to know that they were items to begin with. It was hard to even know. And you had to understand that there were rooms. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah exactly and every now and then there'd be a room you had to get across almost like a frogger concept yeah but you didn't you wouldn't die it would just knock you to the bottom of the screen you'd keep going it was it was just absolutely pointless <laughs> and horrendous but none what? of this lies at the feet of george perez none no, of the it. comic book itself was cool i liked the comic book. i think uh, they have now republished those in really? a, like a collected edition i'd kind of like to go back and read them yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Um, and then, of course, there was George Perez with the finally completed JLA Avengers crossover. Right. I'm glad you got to that because that was that was the 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 big. I think that's probably the thing that most people were looking forward to in his career. And you know, it was. I remember seeing in the 80s. I remember seeing like there were pages. So the story, as I remember, was they had commissioned it and then it got put on the back burner. Is that right? It, like it had started yeah. and it and it stopped due to legal problems. Is am, am I correct? Uh, yeah. Um, and so they they have finally published it. I don't remember when that was published. Within the past 20 years, but I I'd have to look up the date. Um, and I'm well, not going to look up the date. Well, up something else. <laughs> to to be honest, I don't remember. Uh, let's see. It was published in. They started publishing it in September of 2003, and it concluded in March 2004. So almost okay. almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I don't really remember the story to be honest, but it was like such a cool thing that you just wanted Perez to, to draw all of those characters together that it, you know, you really didn't care about the story. Uh, Didn't he have to draw every single Avenger and justice league member ever in those stories? Cause there's all these different versions of the teams. If I remember correctly, right. He had to draw everyone and I'm sure he loved every moment of it, but (laughs) 
It was, anybody it was else, crazy. Anybody else would complain about that job. George Perez was not a complainer. I mean, and anytime you'd see him at a, I'd see him at a con, he's always smiling. He's always gracious to his fans. I think he was just such a well-liked guy that, that, you know, it's like, you know, John Byrne is sort of historically known as not well-liked. <laughs> right. Um, I'm a fan of him, but you know, he's not well-liked. So, you know, he doesn't have that same, uh, I don't know, legend as yeah, right. uh, Perez has. Yeah. Perez is one of the few comic book artists that I ha- actually met, spoke to, shook his hand. Um, he was known for wearing Hawaiian shirts yep. um, all the time. And uh, I, I think uh, because I we've talked about this before on the show, but I don't really go to cons, but I did early, early on in, uh, in there was a thing called Dixie Trek in, uh, Atlanta and he was there and he had done the art for the, for the program for it. And I had gotten him to sign it. That's got to be somewhere around my house. I, I need to find that. Um, but yeah, with JLA and Avengers, um, it was really an art exercise, uh, like, can we come up with a story? But that's always been the case with Marvel uh, and DC team ups. They're it's a you know they are publicity stunts, uh, and they used to be a lot more common. Uh, and this was one that was I think uh, a long time coming, and I'm glad that he got to complete that project. I'm irritated that you can't buy it, uh, and the comic uh, I can't remember the group that that did it but they they republished it in in a limited edition recently to raise money for his um medical bills which were sizable but they they didn't publish many i mean i think if they had if marvel and dc had really i mean come together for this and said okay let's give all of the profits to Perez and his family for all the work that he's done for both companies uh, and then done a mainstream publishing of it and made it widely available again, that to me would have been the right thing to do. Yeah, put some extras in there so that the people who already have it will rebuy it again and the people who don't have it, you know, will now have it. And it could have have raised a lot of money. It it could have. And that's to me, that's just really disappointing um, because this this is a guy who... Like you said, I mean, his attitude was phenomenal. I don't ever remember seeing him or hearing anything about him that was kind of surly or difficult. Um, I'm sure there were moments that's normal in the life of anybody who's a a creative person. Um, But in terms of how he related to fans and how he related to the work that he was doing, he seemed to just be overjoyed to have the job that he was that he had. And he contributed major stuff to both Marvel and DC. And it, to me, it just really seems appropriate that they would step up and say, we need to put aside, get the legal stuff worked out, publish this thing in a, in a wide format and, you know, make a, a significant contribution to his family with it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a picture recently near, I would guess, maybe the last couple of months of his life. And it was, I think, another comic book guy. I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but took a picture with him. Uh, And George Perez was, I guess, in a wheelchair or something. And he, you know, he was, he had lost a lot of weight and he had to be pretty, pretty bad off at that point. He's still smiling in the picture. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, (laughs) 
that's just that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, the man right there. That really yeah. is. Um, but for those of us who miss him and wishes he were still around, anybody who watches um, Ghost Adventures, there's a guy named Aaron Goodwin in there. He looks just like him. So just, you know, huh? we can go with that. Um, well, I, I want to talk about a series and it's been, I haven't read it since it came out, so I can't talk about details of it, but there's a, there was a mini series that came out, uh, which was a final crisis tie in, um, which no one ever seems to really talk about anymore, but it was called the Legion of, uh, three worlds. Yeah. I remember that. And, and Perez drew it, didn't he? Y- yes, exactly. Um, written by Jeff Johns. So here you had the, at the time, I think there was three different versions of the legion of superheroes with reboots and all that throughout the years um and it was a way of sort of not only tying them all in but maybe sort of explaining which is the real version and i don't remember it making a lot of sense at the end with me going oh okay you know this is the real continuity version or this is the real i don't remember it resolving things as much as i would have wished but it gave georgia chance to draw all of these Legion characters and all of the different versions of the Legion characters. And I'm sure again, he probably had a ball with it. Perfect fit for him. Yeah. And Jeff Johns wrote it. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to read. I just, I just don't remember it clearing things up as I'd hoped, but now of course there are probably, you know, 10 million different versions of the Legion just that just keep going. They just keep destroying it and destroying it. Just go back to the original version, please. (laughs) But you know, I've, I've enjoyed all of the different series in their own way, uh, even though it disgusts me that they keep rebooting them. But if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. And while you were talking about that, I also uh, I, I was sure that Sword Quest exists as a uh, trade paperback. It does. Um, it is called Atari Classics Sword Quest, and it was written uh, by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway. And Perez and Giordano did the art. Uh, you can't get better art than that. You know, Giordano's a great inker. He really is. It, and that's that was his strong suit was inking Perez. I think. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's a lot of work to ink George <laughs> Perez. God, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, gee, I, I, I bet he's probably like, oh man, I, I'm loving inking George Perez, and oh my god, this is gonna take freaking. <laughs> Could, could you not draw any background in the panels at some point, please? You know, but that was the great thing about Perez. He drew backgrounds. That's right. He did. It wasn't like he was trying to, I mean, I know we keep taking some kind of cheap shots at John Byrne, but Byrne gets to a point where the backgrounds get re- real spare. <laughs> well, he, he, uh, Byrne got very, Byrne was writing, drawing and lettering comic books at DC for a while and he was doing two or three a month. So he had to develop this really quick style, right? Um, sort of sloppy style. And so backgrounds weren't always a part of it. Um, and you know, that besides his personality, I think he burned a lot of bridges, but I think art wise that killed his career. Peter David actually wrote, you know, an article about it years ago, which this is a George Perez podcast. So I'm not going to go into details, but, you know, George Perez never uh, took shortcuts, I guess, is the way to do it. Right. I The the only other thing that I really want to mention, and this is, I don't mean this as a side note, because I think it's really important. Um, and maybe at some point someone will 
dig deeper into this, but I, I really believe when you when you look at the impact of George Perez, he had a tremendous influence on Hispanic comic book artists. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. We talked about Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, um, Phil Jimenez, uh, who did oh, the yeah. who did the artwork for Infinite Crisis, and frankly, I mean, it's pretty close to Perez. I think Perez does some of the art in Infinite Crisis um, in, when there's some like throwback pages to the original crisis. But uh, the two of them, you know, I, I just think that he was very inspirational for the Hispanic community that was, uh, you know, burgeoning comic book creators in the Hispanic community. And uh, that's worth mentioning. I mean, you know, when you see his name, um, that is that that's telling people who are uh, from a similar culture that, you know, you could do this too. And that's yeah. important. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I just I just sent you a picture of Aaron Goodwin, by the way. It looks just like George Perez. But, uh. <laughs> um, and you finished, in the past year or so, you read that entire Crisis on Infinite Earths box set, correct? Well, let me just say that, if I, <laughs> now I don't know if um, there's, I, I would assume there's probably a digital version of that that you can read, Chris. Um, but for anyone who... Um, also enjoys like physical copies. If, if somehow anybody can find this for a good price, I did, I found it for a good price, but I don't think it's really a good price anymore. If anybody can find it, it's beautiful. And George Perez's art, you know, sort of covers the box. Yeah. And, uh, I'm looking at it now. I, I, I keep it on my Amazon wish list just because it's like one of those things that I think, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, cause I'm not, crazy about having a lot of physical stuff, right, physical right. books, but like that has an appeal, you know, there is well, something about those books. I mean, you still have that collector mentality, yeah. um, you know, which never leaves, even if you have to get rid of stuff for room purposes and just go digital, which is, you know, makes sense to a lot of people, you know, it, it but you know, something like that, it's like, man, you know, sometimes you just gotta have things in your collection and it is, it is a, gorgeous box set it has about 15 hardcover uh collections in there starting from you know the early jsa jla crossovers and justice league books it goes through you know george perez's crisis and then goes through uh, you know crossovers and extras and uh, unreleased art and all this stuff it's it's phenomenal and i think if there's anything that shows off uh george perez's influence in the whole thing, that's that's the thing to have. Um, this is a really sad statement, but the JLA Avengers trade paperback Hero Initiative variant—that's the one that they produced to raise money for Perez. And this is another reason why it irritates me that they limited the number. Um, so they limited it limited it to seven thousand copies, which is mm. n nothing. Absolutely nothing. It, it includes 64 additional pages um, with stuff written by Stan Lee and Julia Schwartz. I mean, it, it was a really cool thing. Well, as of course this had to happen, um, speculators grabbed a bunch of copies and now they're flipping it. So on Amazon, there's some doofus selling it for $300. And none of that money will go to Perez's family. 
None. And that's what really bothers me. Publish it in a mass market. Don't give the speculators any opportunity to make money off of it. Make money off of someone's death. Um, just publish it. You know, get it out there and let the money come into the Perez family. Yeah, don't make something a collector's item when you're trying to raise money for a good cause. Because the only thing people are going to buy it and, and, like you said, flip it on eBay. I mean, it's it's disgusting. It is. I mean, you know, it with almost anything else, I really, it, you know, okay, that's going to happen. Okay, that's fine. But in this case, it's really distasteful. Very, very. And, and to not only do it for your own purposes to make money, but you're ripping off other people. And the, the, when it all boils down to it, it's a trade paperback. It's a reprint. It shouldn't really be worth anything, to be honest with you. Right. Not unless it's like signed by George Perez or, or you know, something. I don't know. It has some type of sketch in it, you know, but it, it shouldn't. Trade paperbacks, which are reprints, should not really be worth anything anyway. So it's sad that people are, you know. Well, the JLA Avengers Collector's Slipcase 2-Book Edition hardcover is going for $879 right now. Oh, good Lord. And that is, again, a reprint. A nice reprint, but it's a reprint. Yeah, and I mean, I'm all about spending money on stuff being, you know, have that collector mentality. But, you know, even if I didn't have the originals, I can't imagine in a million years paying like over... Over a hundred dollars for it, you know what I mean? It, right. And even right. then, you know. Um, well, I mean, if they had issued, you know, these, I, I don't know. I, I'm very. It's very irritating to me because I feel like it was a good idea. I don't know if it was because that they had to. For all I know, they had to limit the number because of some legal issue with Marvel and DC. In which case, Marvel and DC should have worked that out. Um, but. You know, it's it's the whole thing is it just is not the right way to handle this amazing artist. I agree. Um, so I didn't want to end on a uh, negative or any other book that really sticks out. I mean, I, I feel like once you hit JLA Avengers and then that that Legion, those are really the sort of last big uh, epic things that he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, like I said, he he. The Teen Titans uh, series he did was with, with, oh with gosh Marvel yeah, Wolfman. and that was you know DC's answer to the you know all new all different X Men you know from Giant Size X Men number one because the X Men had all of a sudden gotten extremely popular with John Byrne drawing it and things like that so DC's like well we got to do something so they brought back their original Teen Titans but added all these new members and you could not have gotten a better creative team on it than Wolfman and Perez <laughs> right. Yeah, so I just remember, I mean, it was it was like, you know, God's light shining down on me every time a new issue would come out and I'd have it in my hand. It's like, this was incredible. And to me, it was much better than what was going on in the X-Men at the time. But then you had the X-Men Teen Titans crossover drawn by Walt Simonson, which I loved. I do too, yeah. Yeah. So, it's still, that one still holds up, really. Yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, I you know, and the what's interesting is the Teen Titans have never been as popular as that one moment 
And they've never yeah. really, I mean, like the X-Men have still gone on and on and on. The Titans have come and gone and they've never been able to stick. And, but it was that one run that's just so strong. I don't, I really kind of feel like it's so strong. Nobody else can really live up to it. I agree. And, you know, I mean, there've been, like you said, a million different Titans series since then. I mean, probably 10 to 15 different ones. Um, it, Jeff Johns and Mike McCone even did one back in the maybe early 2000s. Yep. And I just, I bought them, but I just, what this is Jeff Johns. I love Jeff Johns. I wasn't even interested. You know, it's right, like, I just, right. I can't, um, you know, you can't, uh, you, I don't know. You can't reproduce the past. And once you have something that iconic, everything else is just sort of, okay, well, that's interesting, but yeah, it's not, it's, it's never going to live up to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, rest in peace, George Perez. Uh, you're the great thing is, is that uh, the man may be gone, but the but the work that he did is amazing. And it will be I mean, there's going to be new uh, comic book fans discovering it every single year uh, from now on. So what yeah. an what an amazing legacy he left behind. What an amazing career and what an amazing man. And so we did want to take a moment just to just to honor a great, great man in the uh, creation of comic books. So rest yes. in peace. Rest in peace. All right. That said, David, as I understand it, you have some trivia for me. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to name the superhero group. <laughs> and you're, it's, it's not going to be a weird one or nothing. It's not right. about underwear or anything. <laughs> Boot um, shoes, booties, or feet. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be that. Uh, you're going to tell me um, the members of the team um, that are on the iconic cover. So oh, it sounds easy, right? Sounds easy. I I, I know. Well, it's some not. of it will be. <clears throat> yeah. So like Fantastic Four number one, you know, okay, the thing, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Girl, and Human Torch. You know, right, that, right. that's who's on the cover. You don't have right. to name the villains on the cover, just just the team. All right. All right. Um. Okay, we're going to go with the original uh, Avengers number one from the 60s. Uh, there are five characters on the cover. Who are they? Four. And and wait, before I do this, once you get one wrong, that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'll, I'll stop giving you credit after after you get one wrong. Okay. Four. Okay. Giant man. No. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay, you got one point. <laughs> All right, but I, I realize I've only got going. one point. But but uh, Hulk? Yeah. Iron Man? Yeah. I don't think Captain America is on the cover. Is he? No, nah, he showed up in number four. That's what I thought. Um, so Hank Pym in any incarnation is not on the cover. Or yeah, is, but not as Giant Man. Yes. What is he? What is he? Yellow Jacket? No, our Ant Man. Ant Man is on the cover of Avengers number one. How interesting! Um, uh, but he's uh, tiny. Maybe you missed him. So did I get them all? That's it. Uh, there's one more, but think think Ant Man. Wasp. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you got one out of five. Good good start, Chris. <laughs> well, you put that crazy parameter in there. If I say something wrong, <laughs> I lose the rest. Well, don't of the say points. nothing wrong. I know. I'm 
All right. Uh, Justice League from their first appearance in Brave and Bold number 28. There Jeez. are five of them. Oh, my Lord. Well, I, oh. Superman. Nope. <laughs> Green Lantern. Okay. Green Lantern. Flash. Yep. Wonder Woman. Yep. Batman. Nope. Interesting. Uh, I, you know what? I should have remembered this because there was a series that brought it back to this original group and it was Aquaman. Yep. And Martian Manhunter. Yep. Golly. I knew it. I just, for some reason I was thinking Superman and Batman, they added them later. Yeah. So, uh, so far out of 10, you have one point. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> Next. <clears throat> Uh, Justice League, the Demetrius Giffen, number one. There are oh. ten, 10 people on the cover. Okay, now, okay. That's how, and, and I think without a doubt, the my absolutely favorite cover of all time. I mean, really. Most influential. It's, it's been redone a million times. It, it's awesome. There's just, I mean, I don't know. It It totally encapsulates that entire series in one picture. Now and now that I think about it, um, that comic book that me and uh, Matthew Smith and Brad Jaskula did years ago called "The Adventures of Liberty City," we actually uh, copied that cover and put our characters on it as a tribute. Not, not that anyone knows what the living heck I'm talking about, but <laughs> now that I think about it, we use that cover too. So yeah, okay. So go ahead. All right. Well, Guy Gardner. Yep. Uh, Batman. Yep. Um. I'm going to take a real risk here. Maybe I maybe I better go with the ones that I absolutely yeah, know. Yeah, don't do the risk yet. Okay. Uh, what did I say? Guy Gardner, Batman. Um, uh, Black Canary. Yep. Martian Manhunter. Yep. Um, hang on. Dr. Light. Yep. That's what that was a risk, but I was thinking she was on there. Um Oberon. Yep. Mr. Miracle. Yep. You got uh two more uh three more. Big Barda. Oh so let me count these first. Seven. I got seven out of them. Uh-huh. That's 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 good. Um what the what are the other three? One of them. Well, yeah, one of them you should definitely know because they're iconic for being on this humorous team. Captain Marvel? Yep. That's not who I was thinking of, but yes, you're right. For some reason, I was thinking that he came later to the series, but he didn't because there's a great cover <clears throat> of, of Captain Marvel, I think, trying to beat up Guy Gardner. <laughs> 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 uh, <clears throat> who else am I missing? Rocket Red wasn't on the team yet, or was nope. he? Okay. Nope. Um, it's not. Uh, was Fire and Ice? Were they in there? Nope. Hmm. One of them is is, I mean, iconic for being on this team. For oh it's- my god, how did I forget that? Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Actually, no. But Blue Beetle. 
Yes. But Booster wasn't on yet. Nope. But you got one more um, character uh, we talked about, I think, last episode that there was a different reincarnation of him, comic book in the 90s or something that was terrible. That Doctor wasn't wearing Fate. Dr. Fate? Yep. Wow, that's a strange team. Yeah. You know, Which you, is what made it so great because all these different personalities. It is. But well, you, except for Dr. Light, who had no personality. You you also look at it and go, these are characters that they would let them have and do whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? With the exception of Batman, how they got Batman on that team is amazing, you know, in and of itself. But I mean, a lot of those characters were characters nobody was doing anything with at the moment. I mo think Batman was so it would sell. And then they threw in Oberon and. and you know, Dr. Light, no one cared about who was a new character at the time. And, you know, right. Mr. Miracle, that is cool character, but no one cared about and Blue Beetle, no one cared about. But it just made for a great team and they made these characters interesting. And of course, you know, you put Mr. Miracle and Oberon on there, knowing that that then opens the door for doing some stories in the fourth world. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, that's that's all about kind of seeing ahead and then you know, plotting out some storylines. Yes. And Black Canary right. ha had her worst costume during that <laughs> <Yeah>. era. <laughs> it was, all, uh, and uh, didn't she have a headband? At she the time? did have a headband. Why does yes. anybody wear a headband? Well, it, um, a, I mean, unless you're playing a sport, you know, where you're really, I guess you could say, well, maybe she's really sweaty. <laughs> and I don't, okay, let's don't even go any a, further with that. No, but she's, you know, she's, <laughs> one of the thinnest on the team next to maybe Dr. Light. Why aren't the others sweating? Well, Why isn't Martian Manhunter sweating? It's just the metabolism. All right. All right. That screen we'll burns that. a lot of calories. That's why she's so thin, but she sweats when she screams. Oh, my goodness. Do not ever repeat that. <laughs> well, Green Green Arrow loved, loved me to say that. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next one? Yep. Uh, Doom Patrol from My Greatest Adventure, number 80, their first appearance. I can't even picture the cover. So I'm just well, going, I mean, I'm, it's it's easy. There's only three of them. Chief. <laughs> no. Nope. Robot Man. Wow. Yep. Uh, and uh, what is the Elastigirl? <laughs> yep. And Negative Man. Yep. So you got zero. <laughs> <laughs> the first one you threw out. <laughs> okay next <laughs> the original defenders from marvel feature number one there are three hulk yep silver surfer nope namor yep um and the main one who's like in all of the versions it seems like the beast <laughs> what the hell Chris? well the, the beast was in the defenders at one point was he not who was the one who's always gathering the defenders together doctor strange yes the beast <laughs> <laughs> all right um so so far you have nine <laughs> points <laughs> out of a possible do we know how uh, many? 36. Oh, you got Lord. two more teams left. Okay, right. okay, okay. <clears throat> the original Invaders from Invaders number one. 
Three of them. Captain America. Yeah. Submariner. Yep. Please don't say the beast. Please don't. Say <laughs> uh, Human Torch. Yes. You got three out of three. Okay. It was That's a calculated. You've gotten right so it, far. It was a calculated risk between that and Bucky. And I, I couldn't remember <laughs> if Bucky would have been on the cover or not. But no. he was not. But okay. he was a member. All right. Final. There's seven of them. Um, the original Omega Men that are on the cover of the first issue. Can you even name any of them? No, I can't name one. There's one that looks like he's like, you know, block from the Legion, but I don't know what his name is. And there's yeah, one every, that's... There's everybody one that, had a character like that back there's then. There's one that looks like a tiger. Well, go... Okay, that's a good hint on what his name is. Is it... Tigar? <laughs> it's Tigor. I'll give you that. Well, hey, well... <clears throat> Tigar. <laughs> Not that Tigor's any better. I got nothing else. That that's so you, Im, that's impossible. Well, I well, mean, I, well, I had to end. I I I wouldn't have gotten them all right either. I could have named some of them, but um, yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known them all. So you so you give up on that one? Yeah, unless right, it's like was, spit jaw and like uh, <laughs> cram knuckle. I don't know. <laughs> cram knuckle cram knuckle uh, cream hernia <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible power <laughs> all right there's primus who was like my favorite character who died like after a few issues uh callista yeah brute was the oh that's right stone one um nimbus harpus and demonia <laughs> You might as well. So you, oh, don't even. Get you got started. ten out of thirty. <laughs> Should you even be doing this podcast anymore? <laughs> I need to replace you. <laughs> well, it pays so well. <laughs> I know. I know. Just think, we could probably have like thirty-five listeners instead of like thirty. If I replaced you with like Gary Coleman or something, <laughs> you could probably replace me with a stick, and that would do just as well. I, I might do that next time, but the thing is, you know, I can't ever figure out the technology on this crap. So I, th that's why I keep you. <laughs> well, on that note, we will close things out. I want to remind everybody yes. that we really do love to get emails from people so our email address is wahahacast that's b-w-a-h-a-h-a-c-a-s-t at gmail.com please you know send us your comments your questions send us anything we, we we're it doesn't even have to be about comics right no it, it could you know I, it could be about you know your favorite boots that, or sushi that, uh, that would work. Your favorite boots? Who yeah. has a favorite boot? <laughs> I don't have favorite boots. I just have one favorite boot. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever worn a boot? Yes. You have? Why? I've worn a boot? Yeah. Like, Why would you wear a boot? <laughs> my, now, my shoes, granted, are sort of bootish that I wear all the time, but they're still considered shoes. 
They just have, you know, the higher. I wear Chelsea boots almost every day, but you don't even know what that is, do you? Uh, no, I thought that was a musician, to be honest with you. <laughs> Chelsea boots. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I wear I wear boots frequently. What are Chelsea boots? I mean, excuse my ignorance, but what and are act- they? they? They're actually, they were made famous by the Beatles. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, the, yeah. so they're like an ankle boot. They don't have laces. They just have like a little like uh, elastic, uh, you know, that on the ankle yeah. part, you just pull yeah. them up. So have you ever worn like a cowboy boot? I have worn a cowboy boot on like a like a school western day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but no, I I am not a cowboy boot wearing kind of guy. I used to have cowboy boots when I was like in elementary school. That I, I can't remember why I would ever wear them, but I do remember having them. <laughs> um, this has gone off that, the rails. Yeah, that's true. But that's that's how we usually do anyway. <laughs> that's so. true. That's true. So on the note of the boot, <laughs> on the note of the boot, we wish you well. We'll be back in about two weeks with another episode. And uh, until then, any final words, David? Uh-uh. None. Got nothing. Other than happy. No, I still got nothing. I still got nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good enough for me. All right. Yes. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you, David. See you, Chris. I got nothing. It was it was just a beautiful moment. Uh, you know, me being sort of an ass, but you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs>